Hey, good morning, church. How y'all doing today? Y'all having a good morning? Come on, I'm so appreciative of the praise and worship team. That's just didn't, They're doing a great job. Aren't they doing a great job? Come on, somebody. Come on, give it up for them. They're doing great up here. They practice, they prepare, and it's so good to be here at Bridge City Church, North Braddock, and it's so, so awesome. Hey, I don't know if you knew this or not, but we're two weeks away from Easter. And for us in the Christian faith, that's kind of a big deal. How many of y'all know that's a big deal? It's a big deal. Like Easter marks a lot of things. It marks that officially winter's over. And we made it. Come on, somebody. Yeah, it marks that. And, and Easter can mean different things to different people. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a big ham dinner. How many of y'all eat ham at Easter? Anybody here? Anybody? What do you eat? I don't know. My goodness. Like, yeah, you, there's a big feast, and there's eggs, and there's chocolate, and there's all this stuff. But for some people, it means you're going to get a new outfit. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Ladies going to get new shoes. I thought I'd get a better response from that. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. It can mean a lot, a lot of things. But for us in the Christian faith, it's huge. I mean, it's big. Actually, to me, it's bigger than Christmas, actually. It's, it's Jesus, dead, buried, but rose again. Yeah. And, and, and that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. And, and so over the next like, week here, and, and then on Good Friday and Easter, we're going to look at who Jesus is. Who is he? Who is he to me, and who is he to you, and, and who can he be to, to so many people in this world here, Right? And so this Jesus, who is he? And I, and I think that's the question that we, we, in the Christian faith, we wrestle with. As a matter of fact, Jesus isn't afraid to ask you for you to define who he is. He did it in Matthew chapter 16. He was, uh, he was with his followers, and, and, and there's this moment he came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Those red letters there, that's what he's saying. Who do the people say? And well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. How many of y'all know that there's a lot of some sayers out there? Come on, do you live in the same world I do? There's a lot of some say, well, some say Jesus is just a God of love and he loves everybody and it's just all cool and he came here to love us. And some say he comes with judgment in his hand. And some say this and some say that and some say I've had this experience and some say they've had that experience. But we got to get rid of the some sayers and say, what do you say? See, what you, how you answer that question is going to determine a lot. And so he took his disciples to a place, Caesarea Philippi, which was outside of, of a Jewish region, which in this time of biblical times, the Jewish like, people were like God's people, and then there was everybody else. In today's day and age, we have like church people and everybody else. I'm just trying to oversimplify so Jesus wants to take us into a culture that is filled with confusion and chaos and crisis, 
And it's in the middle of there that we need to answer the question, who is he? And so we can point fingers at the world and say it's all problematic and it's all this and it's all that. But what Jesus brought us here today to do is to clarify who he is. And so that our faith can be built and, and, and built on the word of God and we can understand and see him and know him for who he really is right now. See, Caesarea Philippi was a place with a lot of rival deities. We have a lot of rival deities, which means a lot of gods, small g's, in our land right now. Some of it's money. Some of it's child worship, known as soccer. I mean, there's all kinds of deities that there's in a worship. And so he brings us to this place, but we got to get rid of the some sayers. And in verse 15, he asked them, okay, I know what other people are saying, but who do you say that I am? Red letters. And Simon Peter answered, he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, you got it. Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you, and you didn't learn it from a human being. And, and I don't know about you. See, I met Jesus a lot of decades ago, and he changed my life. He, he I mean, rocked my whole world. And I've just been spending the last decades trying to learn what it means to live this life of faith with Jesus right now, just like you with all its challenges, with all its problems, with all the issues that go on in the world here. See, Peter knew the opinion of the crowd, some sayers, but he had to come to a realization of who Jesus is. And most of us are spend so much time judging who Jesus is and judging what the church should do or not do, we forget that Resurrection Day, coming in two weeks, what we call Easter Sunday, is really our judgment. There's a dividing line by which we have to come on one side or the other and say, who do we really say that Jesus is? This really is it. There's a dividing line because that's what judgment is. There's this line that he gives us, and he wants us to see this here. And so in this bleak, crazy world, we get lost in all the extra stuff. And what I want to help you do is, who is Jesus? Who he is? So, so here's the big idea. You ready for the big idea? Here's the big idea. Here it is. We will invite everyone we know to come and meet Jesus when we know him as the Savior of the world, a gracious God, and transformer of lives. We will. Listen, it's not a program. We will naturally, we will naturally want to invite everybody to meet this Jesus when he becomes the Savior of the world. Everybody say Savior of the world. When he becomes a gracious God, say a gracious God. And when he becomes the transformer of lives, say it. Man, see, when he becomes that to you, oh man, it's like something, it's just natural that happens. And so we're going to take a little journey in our time today. And, and, and we're going to do like, um, now a Facebook story, an Instagram reel. For those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, we're going to take old snapshots and have them developed, okay? <laughs> you know, we're going to take them to, to, the, to, the, to the drugstore, take them to Kmart, and get them developed. That's what we used to do. Come on. Yeah, we used to drive up. Sometimes you had to wait two weeks to see the pictures, you know? How many of y'all remember those days? Come on. 
they were simpler days. <laughs> yeah. So, so rather than just take one, what we tend to say, story in the Bible or text and dive into that, we're going to give you three. So you're getting three for the price of one today. It's not just a buy one, get one. You're getting a buy one, get two free. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better. That's what we're going to do. And, and, and so we're going to uncover the Savior of the world and a gracious God and transformer of lives. That's what we're going to do. And, and, and before I jump into the first one, I just want to say that I'm, I just always get so excited while I'm here at North Braddock. I'm just so excited to be with you today. I just, y'all are great people. And um, y'all are great. And, uh, and, and I just love it here. I'm a huge fan of Pastor John and Christine and what they're doing here. I'm a huge fan, huge fan. And, uh, and I get the joy. I one church in four locations. And Natalie and I, we get to go see all the locations. And it's so much fun. And it's so awesome just to watch God turn all these different locations. And we're one church moving in one direction. And there's power in that. And, um, and, and, and we're better. The whole church is better. Because of you. Isn't that cool? You didn't even know that this morning. Nudge your neighbors. He's talking about you. Come on. You didn't know that. Come on. So here we go. Here we go. Let's dive into this first one. He's the Savior of the world. So we're going to start in John chapter 1. Gospel of John chapter 1 here. And talk about this guy, John the Baptist. Okay, John the Baptist yeah, he was, um, he was a cousin to Jesus. He lived a really rough life. He, he, ate, like, he ate bugs. Some of you say, I have kids that do that. Yeah. yeah some of you say, my kids do that. There's nothing special about that. Yeah. He did it on purpose, okay, yeah. And he lived a really rough life. And he lived a life that was totally separated because he had one job. He had one job, point everybody to Jesus. As a matter of fact, he served Jesus. He, he did his job, prepared his whole life, did his job somewhere, somewhere around three to 30 months. I, I honestly don't know exactly. I can't prove it. But there's somewhere, some people say two years, three years, he roughly did his job. He kept pointing people to Jesus. And then he literally, he was beheaded for the cause. If most of us were at John the Baptist's funeral, we would feel bad for him. Oh, poor John. He, he only got to minister so many months, and then he, God took him way too early, when really he had one job, and he did his job faithfully. You want to know what his one job was? To point people to Jesus. That was his one job. I'm praying for the spirit of John the Baptist to come on you and me. Because I need it. Because Easter's coming. And we need to point to him. So John the Baptist, he's talking here in, in, in John chapter 1, verse 29. And John saw Jesus coming towards him. Could you imagine? He had this one job and he prepared his whole life for this moment. Prepared his whole entire life for this one moment. And he sees Jesus coming towards him here. And he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes wow, away the sin of the world. Wow. And he's the one. He is 
the one. No, no, you missed it. He is the one. He is the one I was talking about when I said a man is coming after me who is far greater than I, for he existed long before me. And so he is the one. What is he the one to do? Take away the sins of the world. He is far greater and he existed longer than me. Three simple things. He's the one. He's the Savior. See, I, I, the first words in John, in, in, in chapter 1, wasn't he is the teacher. Wasn't that. It wasn't even he is love. It wasn't he is holy. Catch me. The first words here in the Gospel of John that John the Baptist were speaking of was this, he is the one who will take away the sins of the world. See, Jesus came to solve the problem. We don't have issues, we have a sin problem. Humanity has a problem called sin. That's what Jesus came to solve. And I think some of the problems with some of the mentality that creeps into Jesus' church is that he's only a God of love, which is true, he is love. But that, it doesn't stop there. You have to go beyond that and find that he's the savior of the world, the one who takes away the sins of the world here. He takes away, he removes, he lifts off the sin, the missing of the mark, because we have a problem. And see, it's so easy to talk about, and I even found myself when we were preparing this, this, these notes that Pastor John helped so much with. I mean, he helped lay it all out, and he, he's helping me, and I'm like, I kept wanting to say Jesus was rather than he is. Not he was the savior of the world, he is the savior of the world, and let me one up that thought, he's the savior of my life. See, he didn't just take away the sins of the world, he took my sin and lifted it off me so I could be free. So if you're wondering what freedom looks like, take a look. Now that, see, we sing that song, this is what freedom looks like, and some of us don't like singing that. It's like, oh, I can't sing that. It's like, why not? You should be a picture of the freedom that the Savior of the world took your sin. Isn't that exciting? To me, that is like so crazy good. And he forgave me of everything here. And, 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 and could it be that we have so much anxiety and fear and panic, not the only reason, but one of the reasons we have so much is because we don't see him as savior of the world. We just see him as a good help program rather than a savior. He didn't just come to help me. He came to do something I couldn't do for myself. Oh, wow. On your, on your chairs, you're probably sitting on one. There's these invitations. Matter of fact, I want everybody to get an invitation in your hand. Um, move around, grab one, don't take it off your neighbor. You know, get, if you don't have one in your hand, raise your hand. We'll find an usher somewhere. They'll find one for you. They'll get you one. Now, I want you to look at this. In um, Easter, 
at Bridge City Church. Now, this is, I want you to hold on to this. I want you to look at this. Um, 9 and 1045. Here at North Bradley. 9 and 1045. Do you know what this is? This is our opportunity to be like John the Baptist and say, behold the Lamb. This is your opportunity to take this and give it to somebody and say, behold the Lamb. Man, you got to meet him. Behold, look at him. Look at him. He is. And, 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 and I know you're thinking, 9 and 1045? Let me help you, because I know many of you in the room right now, if you've been a part of Bridge City Church for over a year, you're thinking the same thing I am right now. Repenting. Because we're only having two. And not three and four and five and six. Because when all of you go out into the world and point and say, hey, you gotta come and you gotta behold him. You gotta behold him. You gotta come. You gotta come and see him. Because of that, I mean, how many times is too much to fill up this room? I spend most of my time sometimes the lead pastor, and it starts with me of saying, God, I'm so sorry that we don't do this all the time. Maybe we should be up to three or four by now. And I, and I do. I repent before God. Because sometimes I, as the lead pastor, can turn church into what's good for me rather than what's good because behold the Lamb, the Savior of the world. And I want everybody to meet him. Church, we got one job. Easter's coming. We got one job. To point to him lovingly and joyfully and say it's all about him you got to come and meet him how many of y'all want that one job how many of you are embracing that one job how many of you are not embracing it but you'll do it anyhow come on somebody i see those hands yeah like no i'm serious this is what it is when he is the savior of the world and he is, he's my savior and, 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 and I see him and we will invite everybody we know to come and meet Jesus when he truly is the savior of the world to us. Mercy, grace, and redemption. Yeah. Wow. Number two, gracious God. Let's fast forward through the book of John, and we're going to look at chapter 4. And Jesus meets this, this woman. At the, at, it, we know it in Christian circles as the woman at the well. That's what typically people say, the woman at the well. You can know somebody's been a Christian a while, because right away they said, oh, it's the woman at the well. Woman at the well. I know this one. Heard this one before. Not your neighbor. You're going to like this one. It's like a good episode of your favorite series. Oh, got to watch that one. Yeah, and, and let me just tell you the story a little bit before we get to the, the end. Jesus encounters this woman with a really shady past. She was married five times and she was living with the guy she wasn't married to. She had a really shady past. She wasn't a Jew, she was a Samaritan, somebody outside of God's people. So she wasn't a Jew, she was outside of God's people. Let alone she was a woman, and, and men typically didn't engage women right now. By the way, side note, asterisk, this is cool. 
Most people say, well, Christianity holds back women. You never really read the Gospels. Because Jesus empowered women. When you encounter the real Jesus, you will see value for women, dignity to women, and honor to women right from Jesus. No other world religion has that. Ha! Come on. When people say, all religions are the same. Nah. And so Jesus reveals himself to her and shows her true grace. And he gives her grace. See, Savior is all about mercy. I don't get what I deserved. Grace is about you get something you don't deserve. And he demonstrates to her true grace. Because that's what we're really all looking for. He empowers. Grace empowers here. Everyone else shunned her, but Jesus showed her mercy, grace, and redemption, which is the gospel story. This is the gospel, my friends. Mercy, grace, and redemption. And when we really experience it, you can't help but be a demonstration of what that freedom looks like. You can't help but like, you gotta meet this Jesus. He is so cool. It's not like anything all the some sayers are saying. Come and experience it yourself. And so she encounters this Jesus, and note, he, doesn't, he doesn't condone her sin. He just reveals it to her. He knows it. And so she's like, what? And so then we go back and we read these words in, in verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, I'm not the smartest guy, but should she really be running around saying that? Oh, really? But she was like, he told me everything I ever did. He told me how screwed up, messed up, and jacked up I really am. And he still wants me anyway. See, most Christians, the longer we're a Christian, we, we try to impress God with how great we are. Have you ever tried to impress God? You know, the one who created the world. <laughs> Have you ever tried? Have you ever noticed he's not impressed? But what gets his attention is a humble heart that's broken and merciful and filled with grace and redemption. Am I, am I good? Yeah. And, and, and so she leaves her water pot and she runs back and she says, he told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, like she says, okay, this behavior that I have is not good, but he accepted me and, and I personally am convinced she didn't leave the same. She had an encounter with Jesus. This is my personal opinion. This is my personal, personal view. Is they saw a change in her because if they didn't see a change in her, why would they go out to see this one who could possibly be the Messiah? And so when we invite people to come and meet Jesus and when we talk to them, let's not try to impress them with how smart we are. Let's just simply say, could he possibly be the Messiah? Could he possibly be the one you're looking for? Come and see for yourself. See, this is the Spirit. And so when we know him as a gracious God who, who loves me, and that's really why amazing grace, what makes amazing grace so amazing is God knows what we're really like, but gives us it in anyway. 
That's what makes it amazing. And, and, and that's what makes it so full of life. It's like, wow, wow. He, Jesus displayed love, truth, truth, and security in a place where I personally believe she could confess her sin, missing the mark, and become a believer and now an ambassador for him. One job. He didn't even tell her, now what I want you to do is go into the village and take this card. And here's the script. You knock on the door. Hi. I was married five times and I'm living with somebody. But I met this one. Could he be the Messiah? She just did it. Because she experienced a gracious God. Am I right? It's the gracious God part. That's what it is. And, and he speaks redemptively and full of faith. And all of these things is just so, so awesome here. And then he gets to this place. And then he, now the, the disciples come back and they're so confused. He's talking to a woman that's not a Jew. She's from outside God's people. And she has this past. We know right? And so Jesus goes in this little discourse, but there's one verse that has been gripping my heart, and it's in verse 35, red letters, words of Jesus. You know the same, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. Some say, look, did Jesus really say that? Yeah, Jesus says to me all the time, would you just wake up and look around? That's just the way he talks to me. Like, look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And what I'm saying to us is, is that we have the Christian faith. We got two weeks and some incredible opportunities to say, wake up and look around and look at the harvest. The harvest is people coming to know Jesus. That's what, let me oversimplify. Someone talks about what is a harvest? What do you mean? I don't even like getting my hands dirty. I'm not planting. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. It's about people. People that need Jesus. And Jesus is saying, look around. He's a savior of the world. And when he becomes a gracious God, man, I wonder what the woman of the well would say if somebody said, who's Jesus? Wonder what she would say. He is. He is a gracious God. Who do you say that Jesus is? I want to confess to you today, um, I'm a little dangerous. Um, I just came back. I, was, I spent Wednesday and I got home yesterday. I was um, in South Texas, like the southern, southern part of Texas, like way, way down there. I mean, even when I was going, I wasn't sure where I was going until I looked at a map and I said, I'm going down there, man. And um, I went to work with a ministry there that serves people that are crossing the border. I'm not here to make a political statement. I'm just telling you that's where I went. And we all hear the story about the wall between the United States and Mexico. I'll be honest, I wanted to go see it myself. I didn't want to get, go by what some say here and some say there. I said, I'm going to go look at it myself. And, I've, and this past week, I was on both sides of the wall several times. 
actually was on the river that separates the United States and Mexico. I wanted to know. I wanted to see it myself. I wanted to see people. Because I know what the issue says, but I wanted to see people. Because if we don't see people, we're going to miss the point. I didn't say I, I had to agree with anything. I just said I've got to see people. And I got this huge education. And to be honest, I'm still sorting out what happened to me over the last week. I just thought I came back. I thought I was okay. And then on the way back, I just find myself crying. And I find myself weeping. And and even this morning, I'm just preparing. And I'm praying this verse for you. I'm praying for you this morning. And I just start crying. And it's like, I'm a basket case. I mean, like, jeez. And I'm like, God, help me. But one of the things I learned was this. When somebody wants to come in, and I'm, for simplified terms, I'm going to use the word legally into our country. I'm just going to oversimplify, oversimplify. I'm not here, again, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to communicate something to you. One of the things they got to do is you have to have a sponsor. If you want to become a resident and want to become a citizen of the United States, you, have, you need a sponsor. Um, good? So if you don't have a sponsor, it doesn't work. I'm oversimplifying. What this invitation is, is giving you the opportunity to be a sponsor for somebody to come and be a part of the, and be a citizen of heaven. Heaven is a real place. We believe in a real heaven and a real hell. And when we do, it's no longer a task, it's a gracious opportunity to invite somebody to become a citizen of heaven now, a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so what this is, is this is you to be somebody's sponsor to say, and now if you walk up to somebody and say, I want to sponsor you, they're going to say, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's not my point. My point is, is that, that this is an invitation, but we have to look at people and we have to look at the harvest. And, and what I believe God is saying to us here at Bridge City Church, and he says it to me first, is wake up and look around. We will invite everyone we know to meet Jesus when we know him as a savior of the world, a gracious God, and transformer of lives. Let's fast forward. Wow, John, um, John chapter 9, a whole chapter. There's this blind beggar, a blind beggar, blind since birth, like blind, can't see. And he had an experience with God. And that's hilarious. There's like a whole chapter written to this. It's like the... And all the religious people are all upset over it. And so Jesus encounters, Jesus goes looking for this blind beggar. And he goes looking for him, and he finds him. In verse 6, he spits on the ground. And, and he makes mud out of it. That, I don't know if you know this or not. In a dry place, it takes a lot of spittle to make mud. Just a thought. And he spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Could you imagine everybody standing there and Jesus is like spitting and mudding and mudding his eyes? How many of you would be like? Seriously. Now, I know that there's a lot of writing about the New Testament and healing properties and saliva and all this stuff, but... I don't want other people spit in my eyes. 
when they're talking and they spit on my face, I really don't like it. Even when my kids were young and they sneezed on me, it wasn't a great moment. I didn't say, oh, there's healing, healing all over my face. I never said that. Never once. And so he does this thing which almost looks offensive. Almost looked offensive, and it looks like, what is he doing? And, 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 and he does this, and, and then he says, go wash yourself in the pool. And like, like nudge it. You think? And he says, go wash yourself in a certain pool of Siloam, which means sent. And so the man went and washed and came back, and he could see. Now, some people say he went, I'm going to immediately obey the master. I personally believe he, somebody told him, he just spit and made mud and rubbed it on your eyes. Where's the pool of Siloam? Where is it? Washes. But now he can see, and the religious leaders went crazy. And the whole chapter is written because the religious people were all upset because this person can see now. Come on, you can tell you've been a Christian too long because when certain people say, I'm now a follower of Jesus, what we do is, hmm, we'll see how long this lasts. Wonder how he really got, got his eyesight. Hmm. Come on, I do this all the time. I do it like when, especially like when celebrities in Hollywood get saved or like somebody says, oh, this professional athlete who pr- plays for an NFL team or professional team, oh, they, they met Jesus. My first question is, are they tithing? <laughs> Am I the only person that thinks that? <laughs> I am. Just for you watching and listening at home, nobody raised their hand. I'm it, okay? Come on, but we, we do that, right? We'll say, well, let me see. Let's see how real it is. Let's see if they really can go home and love their spouse or do different with their kids. We, that's what we do, and we argue over it. Rather than, they were blind and now can see. This is so cool. This literally just happened to me this week. I saw somebody, and and it was a a big post and a big article of how they met Jesus. And I'm like, hmm. Rather than rejoicing, I was, hmm. And so they argue, and they're arguing. And in verse 24, so for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told them, God should should get the glory for this because we know that, listen, this is Jesus. This Jesus is a sinner. This Jesus was just a man. This Jesus had problems. The Bible's only poetic. This is, and the church has problems. And I experienced this, and I experienced that. Do you live in the same world I do? This is what people tell me all the time. They tell me. The holy pastor. No, I'm serious. And they tell me this, and, 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 there's, and there's like, Jesus is a sinner, but then he goes on, and he said, I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, I was blind, but now I... Yeah! You tell people, I used to hate people, but now I like them. They'll go, wow, that's what freedom looks like. Oh, I used to live in sin according to the Bible, but now it's like I have this joy about serving God. I don't want to live in sin contrary to the Bible. I want to live in a way that pleases God. That's what freedom looks like. 
I don't know about all that stuff. And people say, well, what about science? And what about the stories? And what about culture? What about society? I don't know about that stuff, but I know this. I once was blind, but now I see. He's transformed my life, and he transformed everything about my life. That's what it is. And, 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 and listen, I'm not saying we just base all of our faith on a personal experience because it is based on the word of God as we come to know it better and we learn how to communicate. But the number one thing that people want to know is, what is who is he to you? What's he done for you? A man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. Listen, I met this Jesus, and he became the Savior, not just of the world, but he is a Savior to me, because he demonstrated mercy to this guy, and he still does. And he's not just a gracious God, he's grace to me, because I experience the grace of God. He empowers me, and he's a transformer, he's a redeemer of of the world, because he's not just a redeemer, he redeemed me, and he's still in process of that. And I don't follow him because life is perfect. As a matter of fact, coming home from Texas, life is perfect. Had this great trip with God. Again, I think God's impressed. And I get to Dallas, Fort Worth. I'm waiting for my flight to come home. It's delayed and delayed and delayed. And at midnight, they cancel it. They didn't realize that the king's kid is on that flight. (laughs) Do they know who they're messing with? And so I'm, I'm with somebody from the White Oak campus. We're down there checking out the ministry because, and actually in a couple months, I want to take some of you on that trip. I do. And, um, and so we spent the night in the airport. I haven't done that for a while. I mean, not that I go to the airport and stay overnight on purpose. Um, it's just, but it's just been a while since I had to do that. And I'm sleeping on the floor and it's cold and dirty and nasty. And man, I just had an incredible experience with God again. It wasn't in that moment I said, wow, this is what freedom looks like. But even in the midst of pain and sorrow and heartache and hiccups and and being all this stuff, I found Jesus laying on the floor in a cold airport. And God says, now I got you where I want you. Now I can do something with you. And as I laid there throughout the night, God just began to minister. And this message that I knew I had for you just began to stir in my heart that I don't just have this this ministry or I don't just have this thing. I, I have something in me that wants to do everything I can to say, behold the lamb, the one who takes away the sins of the world. He's not gonna make your life perfect, but he's gonna make sense of your imperfection. And he's a gracious God. He wants to give grace to you. And he knows your situation. He knows those of you here today that are living outside of his plan of the word of God, of the word of God, what matters. Not my opinion. You got to read it yourself. And when you figure it out, man, it's, uh, listen, you're living with somebody who you're not married to. You're living in a relationship that's not right. He knows that. But he says, okay, we're going to make it right. We're going to get this thing right. Get your heart right and your actions will follow. Right? And he became a redeemer of my life. He's still redeeming me. And this is why we point to him. And this is why we have this extravaganza. This isn't so people can say, oh, your church is so nice. Your church is so nice. I hear that a lot. 
And I say, no, this is so that people can meet Jesus. Little people can meet Jesus. And so we're all going to get involved in that. And we're all going to do that. Why? Because when you see Jesus as a savior of the world, and when you see him as a gracious God, and when you see him as a transformer of lives, you can't help your behavior changes to line up with him. That's a sign you met him. If you met, if you say, I met him, but nothing ever changes, you probably really didn't meet the one I'm talking about. Good tensions, right? So in extravaganza, you're going to sign up, and Pastor John's going to lead you on how to sign up. And then, and then I, I came in here today, in the first part of the hallway that when you walk in here, isn't it beautiful? It's all repainted. And, and, and outside, the, the cement is all done. Doesn't it look good? Yeah, but we still have another hallway to go. And you got two weeks to get it done. I didn't say, Pastor John, you got two weeks to do it. No, I'm looking at you. And like, so if you can paint, you better get back there. If you can't, show up later and clean up. No, I'm serious. Because when people come to your house, you clean, right? I mean, it's a, it's a thought. Just a thought. So we're going to get this place looking good. So you can bring people here not once, but twice. And it's not an inconvenience. It's a sign that I just want to experience. I want other people to experience the mercy and redemption of God. Because in peace, I have peace in the midst of confusion. I have joy in the midst of heartache. I have faith in the midst of not seeing what I want with my eyes. I have passion in the midst of pain. I have purpose in the midst of uncertainty. And I have confidence that when I stand before Jesus, I will be found with a pure heart. Is that your confidence today? Come on, if you're here today and you're just saying, you know what, I want to be involved in this. I want to be involved in he is and I want to see him for who he is and I want to invite people. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Just stand to your feet. Come on, real quick, just stand up. And, um, and so God, everybody's standing right now. I pray, God, you're going to use us. Use everybody in this room right now. Lord God, to see as many people as possible meet you and become followers of you and use my life and use people I know, God, and so that we could say, behold the Lamb. God, this one job that we have, may we be found faithful. God, so I empower every person standing right now, every person standing, I empower them right now to be the best inviters on the planet, Lord. And God, we ask you to fill this house to overflowing. As a matter of fact, I pray that North Braddock campus is going to be overwhelmed with people. As a matter of fact, God, I pray that you bring so many people here that they sit in all their seats that are right here right now. And I pray they got to find another room to sit in, in Jesus' name. Matter of fact, God, overwhelm us, overwhelm us, overwhelm us with your presence and your life and your love. Come on, is that your prayer today? Is that your prayer? Do you receive that prayer? Come on, do you receive that prayer? And so if you're here today, I'm switching out of that. Listen, if you're here today and you've never experienced the mercy of God, which is him being the savior of your life, forgiving you of your sin, you're, you missed the mark of what it means to be a Christ follower. You came to the right place because we exist for this purpose, to point people to Jesus. So I'm pointing to him right now. If you don't have a day, a time, or a moment where you met him, you came to the right place. His mercy and his grace, his graciousness, is that you can receive him. Now he leads you, and then you can be redeemed. And if you don't have a day, a moment, or time when you became a Christ follower, but you would like today to be your day, 
This is what I want you to do boldly and joyfully. I just want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me today. Is there anybody here today that just says, that's me today. I want to be a follower of Jesus today. Thank you. Anybody else say, you know, I want to be a follower of Jesus today. I want, I want the mercy and grace and redemption of Jesus. Anybody here? Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Lord God, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that becoming a follower of you is just not just something we do on the side, but it becomes everything about our lives, Lord. Would God just thank you for being a gracious God, a Savior, Lord God, and a Redeemer. Come on, are you happy about that today? Come on, are you happy about that today? So this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. It's going to be so good. There's this song, Amazing Grace. It's an oldie but a goodie. Come on, somebody. And we're going to sing it out so loud. And we're going to sing it out so proud. Come on. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And if you know the amazing grace of God, you know what we're going to do. We're not just going to say, we're not going to be quiet about it. We're going to sing it out. Matter of fact, if you want to sing it louder, I want you to come.